and welcome to What About Us, a podcast that discusses how policies, history, and culture affect rural Tennesseans. What About Us is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Please go to TennesseeHoller.com and check out some of the other great podcasts, sign up for the newsletter, and make a donation. Also, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. The Tennessee General Assembly uh, is in session, and they make it easy to follow some of the bills. I am Sandy Rice. And my guest today is Rupa Blackwell, who is a Tullahoma City Alderman. Welcome, Rupa, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Excited to be here. Um, Rupa and I did a little traveling together a few years ago. We were both in the Emerge Tennessee class, which is a program to help uh, uh, women run for office. Yes. Run for office, and I started a podcast. You did. And I wasn't expecting to run for office that year. So <laughs> you were right. I remember that now, but we we put in some miles and some yes, we did. together. Well, I was pregnant and trying not to throw up. So, <laughs> um, so I sat in the back. No. <laughs> but then yeah, you we came home and we went our different directions and we don't get to see each other very oh, much. Because so, of COVID. So. With COVID. And like the last time I got to see oh, you. Yeah, that. <laughs> Jack was teensy tiny, you know, have you even, you've seen Jack though. You oh, got I, be, I follow on Facebook. But I think you met him once at the mall. No, he was still on the tummy. No, he was still on the tummy. That's right. It was right before I was about to give birth and I was trying to deal with Avery. Yes. Okay. That was yeah. right. <laughs> That's where it was. I was like, was he born yet? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to meet him. He's lovely. I know. And I will. Okay. Our topic today is diversity. So I looked at some definitions of diversity. Do you have one that you like, Rupa? You know, the one I used was like a 10-page document on from MTAS because they have defined diversity for municipal governments in a lot of ways. So I used their, um, the, MTAS is a municipal advisory solutions for, for municipal governments. Okay. So I utilized what they did since they had a very specific definition and very long because it was trying to be very encompassing of um, everyone, including um, those who are protected classes. And, and for me, it was important for us to include people who were historically underrepresented, who weren't necessarily protected classes. So okay. yeah, but I want to hear what your definition is. Well, yeah, I just Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> but they give you so many if you Google it. There's like a bazillion different things and it's not... What? It's not specific. So I want, we tried to create something that was as specific as possible. Okay. Well, I have some, I have general ones, but I do have three and I okay. think they're all the same, but a little bit different. So the first was a satisfying mix of ideas, cultures, races, genders, economic statuses, and other characteristics necessary for, for promoting growth and learning among a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one, um, it means understanding that each individual is unique and recognizing the individual differences. And the third one um, that Holy Scripture, uh, God teaches us in Holy Scripture, that the human race is one. Um, from one man, God made every nation of the human race that they should inhabit the whole earth. And that is from Acts chapter 17, verse uh, 26. Um, it is within this greater context of unity that humanity, humanity's diversity rightly appears. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, three different ones, but still 
the mix of ideas and other people, you know, coming together. So, so, so why are these things important in a community? I think the second definition that you talked about kind of hits that on the head, recognizing the unique things that each person brings to, to the table, because for a community, I think to thrive best, it's we should be we should be celebrating those unique qualities and making sure that we help lift each other up. So not only do we celebrate those qualities, we can utilize those qualities best in our community. So for me, I think that that's the great thing about diversity. It's important within the community for us to recognize that that we are all diverse. Every, in, in lots of different ways. Um, and because of those unique qualities, there are different needs, especially for a city government itself to be able to understand that we need to be meeting and, and helping um, to, to serve for our citizens. Okay, okay. So you wanna, pro you wanna promote equality, fairness, and inclusion. Equity, fairness, and inclusion, for sure. Inclusion is a very, which none of your definitions have that in that term, I don't think. But for me, inclusion and education are some of the most important things that we can do that surround diversity, right? While we might have a diverse populations, if we don't know about each other, you know, that, that's the beauty beauty of the of having unique qualities and being diverse is that we have so much to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think we should be celebrating that. Right. So why are we talking about this today? You tell me. No. <laughs> because I heard a rumor that you uh, started a diversity committee. Is it a com the community council for diversity and inclusion is what the name came out to be after um, lots of conversations within the steering committee. So what we um, originally started as a under our previous mayor as a mayoral initiative um, that I was going to spearhead a diversity council um, and to put um, some structure to it, I thought maybe it would be best to create an actual committee, not just an initiative that can be dissolved, but something that could be more permanent. Um, we did have a switch in a lot of our leadership during that time. Um, and so now the council did not get, uh, did not move forward with the city. The city decided not to move forward with it. So instead we are forming it on our own as its own organization. Um, so at this point, we have formed a steering committee. Um, they have submitted their responses as to what dates best to meet. Um, we will be meeting to start formalizing plans moving forward in terms of how exactly the organization is going to be set up, what structure it'll have. Um, we have a bunch of committees we've already started to, to put out there. And I think one of our goals is to, um, to do some educational forums to have a diversity celebration. I use that term a lot because I think it's important for us to celebrate each other. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's one of the key things I think in, as human beings is that we're here to build each other up. Mm -hmm. um, so a celebration and uh, also what, what else comes from the community? I think that there's a lot of growth in, and data that we can you know, go out there and get um, so that we can make sure that we're serving our community the best and that you know, our residents are getting their needs met. Well, I think I read in some news clippings from last summer mm -hmm. when you first started discussing this. Yeah, it was Ju June or July. It honestly came, the, the way it came from was after the awful um, George Floyd incident. Okay. 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 And so what ha came, happened was a couple, on, one pastor came to me and asked me specific questions about um information about like how our city set up the, the type of trainings we have, et cetera. Um, and started asking questions, you know, I would go back to our city administrator, get 
answers, you know, for the questions. And so I knew kind of what types of trainings our city employees had. And that began a larger conversation with him. And I didn't know how to answer a lot of them. So I went to Pastor Torbert, who um, is the pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church. So these two ministers and I were discussing in different places um, how to better equip our community to talk about some difficult conversations that need to happen. But as that, as we had these conversations with, with um, about the black community, it evolved into seeing how many different um, groups in our community are underrepresented, uh, underrepresented and wanted to be included and to be heard. And um, which is why it became a, a, um, a larger initiative than I expected. <laughs> So, which is great, you know, um, the disability community was very, very vocal, had great, great feedback and ideas. Um, and so, you know, the first thing, I, you know, when I went to our city administrator, she said, you know, the thing you need to do before you start anything is to have an open meeting. And we had an open meeting where pretty much anybody could come and tell us what their thoughts were about diversity, what concerns they had. Um, it was not the, the ideas that were brought weren't necessarily city specific. Some of the things were like, you know, cultural questions that people had, um, state level questions, federal level questions that, you know, we can't touch with a 10 foot pole, but it was a place for people to just voice their concerns. And overall, what I heard from those concerns is that people just wanted to have dialogue. Okay. Dialogue and a way to talk to city officials. Um, a lot of it was disability questions, bigger picture questions in terms of, you know, uh, got a lot of pushback from people about systemic racism, but it's, and I, I don't, I don't think people really realize sometimes systemic racism isn't um, a macro aggression. It is more that the, the system that it is, this is what it is, the system that's been built has created a way that there is um, inequity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there were definitely questions around that. Um, which, you know, we have seen and I see improvements on already and people looking at and thinking about. And, um, and, and, you know, one of the things that always came to mind, which I brought up in the city meeting was the planning commission and how in terms of socioeconomic, um, inequity, how the planning commission is five out of eight of the members or five out of seven members live in, within the stone's throw from my house. Right. So oh. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, just adequate representation, making sure that we're able to meet everyone's needs. And the best way to do that, in my mind, is to have people more involved, everyone more involved. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Tullahoma. I think they, I mean, they have a Publix and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have a Publix and, and a Starbucks. And a Starbucks. We've got, we've, Tullahoma is a great, I mean... I mean, we've always said Tullahoma is a town as unique as its name, which is true. So I was born and raised here in Tullahoma. Um, you know, what's interesting is, is Stephen Hovatter, he's the, the minister who first, first spoke with me. Um, he actually did a TED talk about Tullahoma. And I'm assuming you're wanting to wonder, wondering about diversity in Tullahoma specifically. Um, and he did a TED talk. So, and I, I wish I could share it because I don't have it all memorized, but he talked about how the how Tullahoma itself has become less diverse over the years and the, re the historical reasoning why regarding the way Tullahoma started as, or at one point was a military base with Camp Forest. Um, and, you know, 
the how things became to be where we are. Um, Telehoma overall, I think we're 87% white, uh, 13%. Um, let me, I can pull up the exact information. I think I texted you at, at some point, but yeah. we are not a very, it, overall, we are not a very ethnically diverse community. Um, I would love, to, and this is anecdotal, what I'm going to tell you right now. I really do believe as a child, when I was growing up, that, the, that it was more diverse. Okay. Um, and, and I, I cannot find data from 1981, but uh-huh. <laughs> what I remember though, is that there was, um, you know, it was more diverse back then. So I think that in terms of Tullahoma's potential, I think Tullahoma has the potential to, to recruit fantastic industry to town. We have, we're a gigabyte city. We have fiber to premise. We have a free Wi-Fi downtown. Um, and because of that, I thought it was very important because I know Fortune 500 companies are looking to ensure that where they move to, um, that, those, that those towns and communities value diversity and they're inclusive. Um, I thought this was a perfect opportunity also to show that to the world. Um, and so I'm glad that we are still moving forward. I wish it had been with the city, but overall, you know, I'm hoping this will show that we as a community value diversity, value inclusivity, and that we can continue to bring in industry that also does to help, um, make sure that our community continues to be the best. Well, I think, um, Tullahoma was kind of named as an up and coming, you know, uh, economically, um, improving, you know, area one of the top micropolitan areas in the country, right? right? And top, one of the top ones in Tennessee, for sure. And, and I think that, you know, we have, Tullahoma itself boasts beautiful waterfalls. We have, like I've said, we have a, an Air Force base here that's a research base. We have a hospital that has just been, purchased, you know, bought out by, by Vanderbilt. So in my mind, we have very good amenities that could bring in, um, large companies. We just need to make sure that we're selling ourselves appropriately to them and that we are most importantly, other than selling ourselves, able to support the people that they bring here in the best way possible. Okay. So, and Tullahoma as a whole, socioeconomically, we have a larger amount of people than you would expect living in Section 8 housing too. So there's a lot of different things at play, not just race, not just ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, there's, there are these demographics that are at play are um, interest, 86.8%, I was right, 87%, 4.4% Hispanic, 3.6% Black, 1.1% Asian, like myself, 3.8% mixed, um, 0.2% other. Um, so, and overall, compared to the state of Tennessee, um, we have, uh, like, we are less diverse than the state as a whole. Okay. Okay. Because the cities are thrown in there. Yes. And Tullahoma, for people that don't know, is, is in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. about an hour, hour south of Nashville. Yep. And I feel like it's almost smack dab in the middle between Nashville, Chattanooga, and Huntsville. Yeah, I think so. And there's not, I mean, what's the biggest city? Murfreesboro, maybe? Murfreesboro. But I mean, I think most of us, you know, Tullahoma has some good shopping, um, but typically, I think uh, the biggest city is either Nashville, Chattanooga, or Huntsville. You can go to any three. They're both all an hour away, okay. which is a selling point of Tullahoma, right? Mm-hmm. You get a small town feel with access to big cities. We're smack dab in the middle of the Whiskey Trail, which is also a fantastic 
We're, good, great, we're a great tourist de destination. When the diversity council became controversial, which I was not expecting because I thought um, the previous board that had makeup of it, I, I really believe we had support for it. Um, when I started bringing it up to them in June, they seemed really behind it. Um, but when the vocal minority became- oh, Those guys. The, the vocal minority. Uh, here's the thing. There's a vocal minority on both sides. What you hear, we, who you don't hear from are the people in the middle. Um, right. But I hear it from them personally. And I can tell you there's, there was overwhelming support in this town for this council, um, hands down. Um, but the vocal minority, when, when they started to um, talk negatively about it in July, um, I decided I was going to write some editorials, some op-eds about um, where I come from because it was a lot of personal attacks and, and weird, some really weird conspiracy theory personal attacks. So I decided to kind of write about my experiences as, um, as a woman of color in Tullahoma growing up as a child, what it was like with my parents assimilating, trying to assimilate um, things that I wish you know they hadn't done things that, um, experiences that changed me, um, experiences that were positive, experiences that were negative. Um, and I, I put them in the Telehome News. So um, I think I wrote four different editorials. Um, and they were, they're very personal. You know, they talked about how my parents moved here, um, why they kind of came here, how they ended up here, which still doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it ends with, you know, my experiences after 9-11 and the way people viewed me as a whole. Um, as a child growing up here in town, you know, I didn't really, my ethnicity didn't really come into play until middle school where I started to hear the negative things where kids started calling me names and, and stuff like that. And it wasn't too bad at that time, but really it, it's honestly, since I came back that I, uh, and maybe it's because of social media mm -hmm. where I think I've heard even you know, yes, there was a handful of kids that called me racial slurs in high school. Um, while those racial slurs aren't necessarily thrown to my face anymore, what I see on social media, the entire sender back to where she came from, the, which I think sometimes they mean California, but when they don't realize is I was born and raised here, um, the sender back to where she came from, the, is she a Muslim? Like that makes a difference to them for some reason. And, and um, it's become, it, because of social media, the way it's used, it is, it's, it's, I see it more than what I did as a child, even like I knew, okay, those guys are going to say that I'm going to avoid those, that handful of people, but you can't avoid everybody now because of the way social media is, which I think is personally, I cannot stress how much I'm going to keep my child away from that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that it has, I don't know why it has become this way, but I think there's a, it, there, it's more out than it was back then. So at least that's how I feel. So, and then I say feel, because I want to be very specific. It's not data driven what right. I'm saying right now, this is just the experiences that I've had, but it also could be because I am in a public position. Right. Um, so it's easy to throw slurs at people you don't know, and even though they do, because it's a small town. So <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think that uh, as children, we see the world through different eyes. And I think this has always uh, been an issue is um, of uh, immigration and people that aren't from 
you know, from here. I, you know, maybe in, in one way, maybe things aren't as different, but in another way, um, gosh, we got to be getting somewhere. Huh? <laughs> I think that, so I think part of the thing is that as a kid, my parents, because they were, you know, they were the head of the household. Now it's me as the head of the household. Uh, <laughs> I think part of the thing was that they, their friends were Indians. So I saw Indian people, but one of the weird things is being Indian, we have all of our different States have different languages. So even though all these other people were Indian, we couldn't communicate with each other other than with English. And my parents also read this weird, like, so my fam- my household, we only spoke English because they thought um, that my SAT score would be lower if they didn't speak only English in my household. And, you know, I think part of that is, is because I don't have um, the cultural background that I would have if I had, my parents had um, maintained some of the culture that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there's in some ways I, and I said this to someone, it's almost like I don't have a place, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't really fully fit in it with the Indian community that speaks a language that I don't understand because I, I wasn't raised with it. Um, and, you know, in here I'm seen as an outsider. People say that. So I don't think of myself as one, but, you know. I had been listening to some of our legislators and their idea of, of uh, diversity and uh, inclusion um, and almost... I guess, uh, tro- tropes, you know, things that people kind of throw out um, as misnomers, you mean? I would say misnomers, misnomers. Like um, our, our state senator was surprised that that you were a woman of color. They didn't know who, when they talked to her about the council, she didn't know who, Rupa was just Rupa, not a woman of color. I mean, is that a good thing? Is That's the same thing as I'm colorblind. Is that a good thing? Um, so it's interesting, uh, you know, I've known Senator Bowling for a while, um, in high school, um, I hung out with her son for a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can say that, you know, it surprised me that she would say that she didn't see my color. And, and here's the thing, you know, I did reach out to Senator Bowling and said, I'd love to sit down with her and chat with her. I haven't heard back from her and that, uh, that invitation is still open. I'll probably follow up with her again. Okay. So also, uh. I know I cut an article out not too long ago. I don't know um, if if uh, you have heard this, but to say that COVID was weaponized by the Chinese and renaming it the Chinese virus um, has caused some violence against Asian Americans. Yes, uh-huh. you know, and we there was a petition out there. Um, I think it was Marsha Blackburn that said something about that, and the petition was from all. Uh, you know, I signed it. I'm an Asian American. Um, and, and, um, how the things, you know, as an elected official, you can see, I'm sure you can look me in the eyes and see when I'm trying to make sure that I'm saying something in an appropriate way mm-hmm. as, as an elected official, we are held to a higher standard as an elected official. We represent everyone, everyone. And we need to ensure that when we speak, that we are talking in a way that doesn't denigrate harm our constituents. Um, so I signed on to that petition that was <laughs> calling Senator Blackburn out um, on the way she spoke about Asian Americans because it, it was harmful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. harmful. Well, I'm just gonna do one more. <laughs> Cause I'm going, to, uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I'm going somewhere with this too, but our, um, 
Tennessee at a budget meeting uh, lashed out about having diversity and inclusion positions in the state government, calling it propaganda. Um, he said, I quote, it goes against our people and our culture. Um, and the question is, is that, does that mean white people and culture? When he was questioned uh, by a reporter, he sang a little Bible song, maybe you know this, about how we were all the same in God's eyes. I think there's, I got confused because it, uh, it's like red, brown, yellow, we're all, but the point I'm trying to make is, first of all, I value what you're, what you're doing in Tullahoma and, uh, you know, the reason that I wanted to feature that was because we try to focus on rural life in rural America and in rural Tennessee and that it is valuable. And I want us to look at our communities as having the potential for success and get the attention that in order to keep our communities vibrant, that we need the support of the state you know, to do that. And I also appreciate your professionalism in your role um, to say that um, we're not always seeing it in our elected leaders. And I think we need to be aware of that and try to change that, whether that is um, communicating with them or identifying people that could take their place in having those things that I think are of value to not just as Americans or people, um, but also residents of, of small communities. Yeah, and I think one of, me and my role now, I have to say I, have, I pay less attention to the statewide politics because for me, it is so important for me to focus on my community as a whole. And But you hit the nail on the head when you say talking about, when you talked about making sure that we put our, our best professional face forward. Um, I think that we can be in some of the most difficult situations, but we still have to stay, be aware of what we're saying, um, make sure that we are making our constituents feel comfortable and be true to ourselves. So I think, um, you know, I think the thing that we are realizing is, is, you know, and what I have realized over the past year is that I think professionalism has become lost a lot in politics. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the entire idea of, you know, shooting from the hip saying what you want to say, that's, that's just not how I work. Um, I don't, I, that, that isn't, I, I think that personally, I, I want to um, put my best foot forward. And whenever I talk to anybody else that I know has ever considered running for office, I've always told them, you know, stay buttoned up. You know, that, as bad as that sounds, I mean, button up. Like, you, that, that's the job. You're now in public life um, the way it is. And I think that's the expectation that we should, that we should have. It is with uh, work, right? That's where it, what kills me is I, I sometimes see politicians do things and I'm like, but that's not acceptable in my job. I would have been fired, right? Yes, yes. And, well, and, this, is, this is a big thing, diversity and inclusion. You see, I mean, the... Most of what you hit on on Google is business. It's really kind of hard to find a community or just something like the definitions that I found the definition um, and a concept of what just regular people, you know, could latch onto. It's business. Why do you want these things in business? Productivity. Productivity. Well, and it's it shows that the the 
the the corporations and that put diversity and inclusivity as one of their tenants, the ones that have something dedicated, their productivity is sky high and their ability to bring it there, they are making the most profits. <laughs> so, it, you know, they're, and it's probably because their employees are happy. I was going to say, you know, that's the other thing. That's, that's, um, it takes so much time and energy to be angry and hateful and, you know, saying, well, you need to, if you don't like it here, go home. That's a trope. You hear that all the time. If you don't like it here, you need to pack your bags and go home. I mean, that's usually expressed to immigrants who are citizens. You know, they live here. Where are you going to go? I mean, that was like the, the, the female congressmen, you know, several years ago. Go home, but this is their home. What do you mean? Go home. Um, I think that people are just, um, um, I'm happier because I love to study other cultures and history and read books about that and black history. It just, um, Oh, you know, this aha moment. And, uh, I think it, it just, it just makes us a happier community, a happier people. Well, I think learning about other people and finding ways to identify with other people and finding things you have in common with them and things you can learn from them, period, makes, enriches every single person. Mm-hmm. At least that's, I mean, you know, I read this, my friends shared this article with me about um, benches, essentially, and sitting on a bench and talking to a person, how people's mental health as a whole within a community, it was, it was in was it Zimbabwe? I can't, I'll have to look, but they had two mental health care providers, two psychiatrists for the entire nation. And so they put this thing out there where they put out benches for people to sit and talk. Just, and the fact that they were able to communicate with each other in these public spaces, the mental health, their mental health, um, the country as a whole's mental health was better. Right. And I think that that's the thing is talking to people, communicating with people, understanding each other. It's it will make us as a community as simple as this is happier. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. You know, I know that sounds really simple, but it's important, especially during a time when people are feeling isolated. Mm -hmm. Right. We're we're in a pandemic. And and to me, um, the one of, I think my community as a whole, Tullahoma as a whole, our biggest asset, yes, is waterfalls. People can say that, but also it's our people mm-hmm. and talking to each other, getting to know each other and valuing each other is important. And I think, uh, I say this a lot of times that I think that people in Tennessee and middle Tennessee and my community are really nice. I mean, you go Absolutely. to store, somebody will like put their hand in your grocery cart and say, Polenta, what do you do with that? I've always wondered. <laughs> well, and it, you're like, fry it up and put some salsa on top. It's delicious. <laughs> so we're nice, but then but then we can be really, really ugly once we get home and on social media. So social media, get off the internet. That's why I tell people, get off the internet, talk to somebody in person. I think that we have to look to our young people and make sure that they're being educated or aware of these things. They are our hope. They totally are. It's, um, you know, the young people have been, I think, the most uplifting to me seeing. So on our steering committee, we have a youth. Um, We had many youth apply 
um, and it or a few youth apply. And that was, you know, they've shown up to meetings. They, the youth is where it's at. And, you know, I'm, I'm the, the liaison to the city school system. And I go in there right now. I'm talking to middle schoolers about um, relationship, healthy relationships. It was teen dating violence awareness month last month. And so, you know, I will say that the, the youth are our future. Um, what we do, what the way we invest in them, the way we as elected officials show them how to, how to lead, how to act, how, you know, what matters, um, it matters. They watch, they, they are looking at us. So to me, it is very important for us to foster positivity, positivity within our youth, foster good values and, and to, um, because they, they really are impressive. Let's lift them up as much as we can. Thank you. Lupa, do you have anything else you want to say in conclusion? We end up with the little ones and do the best of success. Thank you. Um, with your... What are we? What, what's the name of it now again? I'm the sorry. Community Council for Diversity and Inclusion. You know, in my di diversity and inclusion, we're right in there together. So I think that yeah. they are we, somewhat different, but but similar enough to. Warrant. Well, and honestly, we talked about diversity and equity and inclusion, but we're like, those are just a lot of letters. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, but overall, if you look at academia, it's DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, very good. So we'll leave everybody with that. This has been What About Us, a podcast of the Tennessee Holler. Go to TennesseeHoller.com and uh, take a look around and see what you like. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Awesome.